Welcome to Shedding Light Hunting Stories Podcast, the podcast dedicated to the average Joe and their hunting stories. I'm your host, Travis Williams, and this is episode 17. guys welcome back uh thanks for stopping into shedding light hunting stories podcast we're on episode 17 here and having a blast and hope that you're enjoying it um really enjoyed that last episode uh talking to somebody from australia it was just fun i love his accent um if you didn't listen to that one it's really interesting hearing about samber deer and uh kangaroo hunting and the missing bolt and all that so i'd encourage you to go back and, and check out that any podcast that you've shared or commented on i really appreciate that um but if you did comment on that last one or share it or tag somebody you got entered into a contest to win a shedding light outdoor hat and i'm going to go ahead and just draw that name right now i got my little i don't know if you can hear it or not but there's little strips of paper i I've written the names down of all the people that entered, and we're going to go ahead and just not looking. I'm not looking. I know that you're going to have to trust me on this one because it's, it's audio, but I'm going to go ahead and shuffle these up, and our winner is oh, Bobby Andrews. Uh, Bobby Andrews is the winner. Congratulations, Bobby. I'll be shipping you out of hat. Uh, Bobby came on the podcast there a few weeks back, and he shared it multiple places and got like four or five entries. So uh, it's not a surprise to me that Bobby won the hat, so congrats. Um, and today, a uh, podcast, we've been trying to keep them a little bit shorter, but sometimes we just have a great conversation, and today is uh, no different. So I'm not going to do a super long intro or outro. We're just going to jump right into it. Got a great guest today uh, named Steve. He's going to talk just a little bit. He's going to give us, he's really coming on to talk about deer, but at the beginning of the podcast, he does tell a pretty cool uh, turkey hunting story and then we're going to jump into how he's been able to kill some some really nice deer over the years so um that's what i got for the intro hope that you are ready to saddle up and get ready to head down to texas and uh, without any further ado here is steve phillips all righty here i am with my guest today he is joining me from texas uh he works in the oil fields and uh he is a deer killer he's killed about 17 deer that would qualify for pope and young and uh, he's definitely found a way to get it done down there in Texas. Please welcome uh, Steve Phillips. Welcome to the show, man. Thanks for having me, man. It's, uh, I'm excited about it. <laughs> That's awesome. Every time I, I get I, to talk about deer hunting, uh, especially whenever it's several months out, I get excited about it. Oh, yeah. Like, I... It, my mind rotates between that turkey hunting and now I'm going elk hunting this year. So I kind of go in and out of phases where I get really excited about one. Now deer, uh, we've been talking about turkeys the last uh, few episodes on here. And, uh, well, we actually went to Australia last week, but, uh, <laughs> you know, it's good. It's always good to sit down and just talk deer, you know? For sure. And I, I like to talk turkeys too. I, I, it's one thing that, uh, I don't know a lot about except that I like to do it. I had a guy tell me, uh, there's, one guy in our area that does a lot of turkey hunting and uh i hit him up one day about it and he was like well the best advice i can give you is don't do it he said you don't you don't need another expensive hobby like that and <laughs> i went killed one the very first time i went and sat in the woods in east texas lived here my entire life and uh the first time i ever went turkey hunting i somehow lucked out and shot one at 63 yards and killed him and i've been ruined over that ever since too uh oh. How did how did that happen? I mean, we I was going to talk to you about deer hunting, but we could throw in a quick turkey hunting story. How did sixty three yards? Yeah, so you know, going back, like I was probably uh, twenty or twenty one, and and where I live in East Texas, like it's not the Texas that you see on TV at all. It's huge pine timber, uh, a lot of thick, dense uh, stuff. It's nothing like uh, you know 
you see the 75 deer at the feeder and then uh rio's you know gobbling at the truck door shut and that sort of thing <laughs> it's it's a hundred percent dead opposite of that here uh super highly pressure turkeys all that stuff so I, I go in i have no idea what i'm doing i thought turkey hunting was the dumbest thing in the world and uh me and a buddy of mine was blowing duck calls one night and he pulled the turkey call out and i couldn't even make it make a noise so uh <laughs> I don't, I don't like uh, getting beat at anything, so I went and bought one, and uh, I was like, well, I, I got this stupid thing where it'll make a noise. Maybe I should go turkey hunting, so I did, and like sat down, uh, scratched slate calling, and I heard a turkey gobbling. Like, I couldn't believe that it was like real. Like, I've lived here my whole life. I've seen three at this point, you know, so I called him. I'm sure I did everything wrong. I went to him. I ran, uh, you know, made all kinds of the noise and finally got set up and there was i could hear several gobblers and uh a couple of hens and i, I had made up my mind they were going away from me and i made up my mind that i was going to make a big loop and try to get back out on a road that i thought they might be on and i was about to get to stand up and i looked and he's strutting over there you know like it's about 75 yards and i'm sure i overcalled him and did the whole bit and uh it started putting was getting ready to take a, i shot it and i must have had two pellets hit and it was it it was done so <laughs> and what was wild is like so turkeys are introduced here right so uh we don't have a lot of them and when i shot him i got over there to him and he had a, a tracking transmitter on him it was like a, a elastic billet went under his wings with a transmitter and a band and like i was scared like i thought i'd done something like, i thought i broke broken wall and so i I called my, my friend Doug and I was like, Hey, look, dude, I just shot this turkey. And like, he's got all his jewelry on him. And like, we got to check him in here. You know, you got to, uh, within 24 hours of killing him, you got to go take him and, uh, have him weighed and, and spurs and beard measured and all that. And so, uh, I was like, man, I, you know, I don't want to get in trouble. He was like, no, you're good. He's like, take it. He said, turn the transmitter over on the back. It should say something about, uh, uh you know, needing to turn it in or whatever. Sure enough, it found, turn, uh, please return to uh, Stephen F. Austin University. And so it ended up being really cool. I got a, a ton of information where they caught it from, where they released uh, all that. And that was my first turkey. It was, uh, I think it was 23 pounds, had a 12 and a half inch beard. And that small spur is the first big, uh, big spur turkey I ever killed was last year. But that one only had like a half inch or three quarter inch spurs. But he was a big bird. Wow, that is awesome. I mean, your first time going out there and you, you get it done. It's, I mean, that is a long distance to shoot at a turkey. That's sweet. <laughs> That's too far. Yeah. It's, yeah. You know, look, looking at now, when people tell me about uh, them shooting birds that far, I'm like, well, you're an idiot. Because now I've killed like, I don't know, eight or nine, so it makes me an expert, right? So, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, looking back, if I, you know, I, I would have never killed that turkey now, knowing what I know, but, uh, I, you know, sometimes you get lucky and I'll take luck over good all the time. Absolutely. All right, Steve, I'm going to go ahead and turn off our uh, camera here real quick. See if that helps a little bit. It's, I think it's all right, but I'll just turn it off. See if that makes it a little bit better. All right. Okay. All right. There we go. All right. Uh, let's, uh, let's back up just a little bit here, Steve, tell us a little bit about yourself and we'll, we'll go ahead and kind of hop into deer hunting. How did you get into to deer hunting and, and that whole thing? So, uh, you know, my whole family, we grew up in outdoors uh here in east texas we've got a lot of lakes and rivers that are close by and uh i mean some of my earliest memories that i can uh 
that I can remember is squirrel hunting with my dad. And uh, it seemed like every Saturday, if, if there wasn't something going on, we'd, we'd go get in this old gunboat and uh, go to the Angelina River. It was, you know, three or four miles from our house, and we'd just ride around. I mean, sometimes we'd fish, sometimes we'd shoot turtles, sometimes we'd just, you know, ride around and be outside. And uh, that's just kind of what we did I, uh, as far as uh, as far back as I can remember my grandpa, my great uncle, uh, you know, growing up here and then tell hunting stories for my whole life. I mean, like that's what we did. We we had family functions. We we cook, gather around, and we talk about uh, hunting trips. You know, they they hunted uh, Colorado back in the glory days in the you know fifties and sixties, and uh, my great uncle was. I, I guess kind of a pioneer of his time for killing, you know, giant mule deer uh, at my parents' house. When he passed away, that was that was uh, part of what he gave me for for an inheritance was uh, all the mounts that he killed. And there's 14 total uh, mule deer. Let's see, there's three elk. Uh, the smallest one's 330, and the biggest one was like 378. Um, there's uh, four Boone and Crockett mule deer. One of them is... Uh, 236 uh non-typical score 236 um uh, 164 inch blacktail there's some you know he's so that's awesome you know i mean like that's what that's what uh it was something i just kind of always inspired to do now as far as like my family they were more uh meat hunters which basically everybody in east texas was and to a degree still is because we just don't have a lot of big deer but I grew up, you know, kind of like if it's brown, it's down, and we shot, we shot for for meat. And if you killed a nice buck, well, that was just something extra. But uh, really, wasn't until I got into uh, uh, got into my twenties that I really started kind of trying to focus on killing better deer, you know. Yeah, and so you talk about meat, meat hunting and kind of going after the trophies a little bit later on, going after something a little bit more mature. So what? Um, I know that you kind of talked a little bit about. Yeah, or I talked a little bit about the fact that you've killed 17 Pope and Young. So can you take us back to that first story, that first time that, you know, how did it all come together for you to, to knock down a, a buck like that, of that caliber in East Texas? So that was, uh, let's see, that would have been 2010 or 11, uh, I think was when I shot him. I had, uh, I had three different deer leases. Uh, one was in East Texas, one was in Kansas, and one was uh, kind of out uh, kind of central Texas in San Saba. And, uh, the, I was engaged to my wife now and she was really t- taking an interest in the bow hunting. And, uh, I couldn't, I couldn't take, uh, guests to any of those places that I had. And, uh, public land hunting can be really good here, but it's really, really challenging. You got to put in a lot of time and, you know, I wanted a place that I could take her and, you know, put up a feeder, maybe have her, get a, an opportunity to shoot a doe or, or something, you know, just to see something so she didn't get burned out on it. And a friend of mine found a 200-acre place uh, that most of it had been burned up with uh, a, a big wildfire that had hit East Texas, and it was cheap enough. Uh, it wanted me and him and uh, two other people to get on it, and we were going to bow hunt only. And uh, I said, sure, why not? And I, it was just really kind of a place pretty close to home to where you know, if you had a couple hours in the afternoon, you could get in the truck and run over there and make a quick hunt. I, I really didn't expect uh, anything out of it. And, uh, we, you know, we planted our food plots and uh, we 
put a few feeders out and uh, and started running cameras. And on through the summer, we, we got a few deer on camera, but it really uh, was probably about September before we started getting pictures of uh, some good deer. And we started getting pictures of quite a few of them. And uh, I had one in particular that was a, a giant eight point that was probably a uh, crowd. 140 that was uh in an area and i had a i'd set a climber up it was kind of a uh there's a uh, a high line that, that ran the whole width of the property and kind of on a, a fence line there it was super super thick on the opposite side of our fence and coming on to our side and uh i had a you know rifle stand was set up out on the on the high line and uh, down this little logging trail that kind of paralleled the fence line, uh, you know, found a spot where they'd been crossing. Uh, the fence was down. They were coming through the fence there. And I got off of that about 75 yards, and uh, they'd taken the pine timber and kind of cut every other row. So it was growing up uh, pretty thick in there. And I, I kind of started focusing my uh, thoughts onto that area. And uh, we... Uh, let me try this real quick. See if that's better. I, uh, I got in there and and I was seeing a lot of deer, but I wasn't seeing uh, I wasn't seeing really any of the mature bucks on up through the first part of bow season. And typically, uh, our rut starts getting started around about the third week of October. They really start getting interested. And yeah. by Halloween, things are getting crazy. So this was uh, October 15th, actually, a good friend of mine's birthday. Uh, my fiance at the time had, had pulled up uh, late that, that afternoon. I'd set her up a stand, and um, we went and uh, went and got in the tree. Just before dark, I'd say it's actually something like four minutes before legal shooting light. I'd look down at my, at my watch, and... Uh, you know, saw what time legal shooting light was going to be over. And it was really too dark right then to shoot uh, with a bow. You know, like you could see, you could, you could see your pins, but it was getting, it was getting pretty dark. And really my, my main uh, reason for even staying there as long as I did was to, I wanted to be at the last minute of shooting light. It was kind of a clear afternoon. I wanted to draw my bow back and see if I could shoot that way in the moment, you know, if a big, Years coming in and I draw my bow and uh and if I can't see then I know it's not legal shooting like you know yeah that's a good idea so I'm not looking at my, I just don't I, I put a lot into trying to do everything right and do everything 100% legal you know so I was sitting there I knew it was too dark um I had this deer come in all I could see was the light on his legs coming down uh coming down the logging road back towards me and uh he comes in real slow. He's kind of sneaking through, and I'm looking at him through my binoculars. I can see a frame, and I'm thinking it's that that big eight point. And I got I got pretty sure cut because it, it would have been the biggest deer that I I'd ever had inside bow range at that point. And uh, he, he comes in and he's facing straight at me. I'm looking at my watch. I'm still in legal shooting light, but you know time's crunching pretty quick. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he turns broadside when he does. I draw back, I anchor, and like it's just emptiness, man. I can't see through my peep at all. Uh, and, you know, I'm, I'm trying to force it. I can see my, but I can't tell where it's at. 
in my peep side. He's only like 14, 15 yards. And so, I'm, you know, I've got that pin buried on him. I got my anchor points and everything. And I done made up my mind that I wasn't going to. And uh, then he turned and uh, had his head down, was kind of feeding. And his, uh, the leg closest to me went forward and stopped and just kind of opened that pocket up. And it's like what you kind of dream of about to shoot, you know. I, I still think it was a subconscious deal. I don't remember shooting, but I remember hearing the arrow hit him. Mm. And, uh, it, you know, he ran off and, you know, my, my knock didn't light up. I wasn't sure where I heard, where I hit him. It, uh, it kind of had a hollow sound. Like I, I didn't hear it hit any bone. And uh, he ran off just a little ways and he slowed to a walk. And uh, I text my wife. I said, look, I just shot a really big one. So just hang tight for a minute and I'll, I'll come pick you up here in a few minutes but i need to give him some time so i waited probably i don't know 45 minutes or so and i got down and uh arrows stuck in the ground and i, I shoot uh white flushings and so i get over there the light that i have is actually a green light and so i can see that the arrow's wet but i can't tell anything about color of it you know mm-hmm. so i back out go pick her up uh, go back up to camp and I got a, a regular light. I came back and she was with me. We walk up there and I shine light. And immediately I see like fleshy, uh, you know, real thin blood, like pink blood, uh, you know, black hair, a little bit of black hair on the arrow. I told her, I said, I, I don't like that at all. So we didn't even look, you know, it was going to be pretty cool that night. So we backed out. Uh, I just went home. I got up early the next morning. And a friend of mine was actually going to be hunting out on the property. And I, I texted him, told him the area that I'd shot the deer in and asked him to just kind of hunt away from that. So, you know, if there was something going on, we didn't bump anything, but to listen for coyotes, look for buzzards, you know, the standard on that. So uh, next morning, daylight, I get in there, I'm listening for coyotes, watching for buzzards flying up, didn't see any of that. So I go in there and uh, I, I Look at the arrow again after it dried all night. There was a little bit of blood on it. That black hair was really kind of the the main thing. I knew, you know, the, the only place they're going to have any black hair is the top of their back, uh, their mm-hmm. face, or their tail, you know. So I felt like I had hit him high, uh, but it was a pretty steep angle, too. So, I, you know, I want to make every effort to see if I can find him. We probably looked for about six hours with no blood to go by, just kind of uh, going walking trails out and and i really kind of figured that i'd mess the whole area uh to be honest with you as much time as we spent in there looking but i was 100 percent sure that the deer wasn't dead and that we would you know see him again on camera and uh the next that day i ended up going home uh didn't hunt that afternoon and uh next morning i didn't hunt i slept in so uh on the fast forward to the 15th it was a uh, my buddy's birthday i was going to hunt that afternoon then we were going to go to his house and uh, cook for his birthday my wife wanted to hunt so she shows up put her in in a new spot that i'd set up and it was kind of raining we were sitting there at camp talking about whether or not we were even going to go and and it quit and it was kind of do or die later in the afternoon you know we better go now or you know we're going to mess everything up so uh took her dropped her off i went to text a buddy of mine hey i'm headed back in and I uh, got back up in the stand, and I had, <clears throat> I was in the middle of texting. He, I literally been in the stand thirty seconds. I was mm-hmm. in the middle of texting. Uh, you know, hey, I, 
I'm here. And that's about as far as I got. And two does come running down the lane. And uh, I, I reached up and grabbed my bow. I was actually going to shoot a doe. I like to shoot my does early. In the, and uh, I grabbed my bow. I was going to shoot a doe. And when I grabbed it, they kind of spooked. One went underneath me and one went to the left. And uh, I was watching the one to the left. And I looked up and I see this buck coming down the lane. I mean, it's bright daylight now. And I know for sure that it's not the big eight point that I thought that I'd shot. Uh, but I, I tell he's way plenty big enough, you know, and, uh, dark chocolate colored horns, uh, pretty narrow. Uh, anyways, he runs in and he, if he goes to the doe that went underneath me, I have, there's no way I ever have a shot, but he goes to the doe to the left and, uh, drew back, anchored up. I grunted, you know, I can see good this time, buried the pin, let it go. And I mean, I, I watched it blow through in the 12 ring, uh, he runs straight out and I, I, I kind of lost it to be honest. With you. <laughs> I never heard him crash. I never heard him fall, but I knew that like I had just killed a deer that I've been trying to kill, you know, my whole life, you know, so mm-hmm. anything over 120 here is a giant and it still is. And, uh, and I knew this deer was north of that. I didn't know how big, I wasn't even sure what he was. I just knew he was a big deer. And, uh, Steve, were you able were you able to make sure like how did you know that that was the same same deer from uh, uh, two nights prior to? Did you see like a wound on him or how how did you figure that out? Not at the moment. So when I shot him, I wasn't I didn't I didn't think it was the same deer. I thought it was another big deer that was in the area, mm-hmm. and it, it was not a deer that I had any history with. I hadn't had any pictures with this deer. On we, we were running, uh, I think we were running twelve or fifteen cameras on a. Uh, a 200 acre piece of property so we felt like we knew every deer that mm-hmm. was on the place and and this wasn't a deer that i was familiar with and when i got down you know i had a great blood trail and walked straight to it uh, he probably went 60 yards and when i got up there uh i grabbed him and pulled him out and was looking and i could see two holes in him and it, it was at that point that i realized that it was the the same deer that i'd shot from the other day i'd actually hit him uh not not really all that bad. Uh, it, it, had it been three inches further to the right, I would have probably spined him or went under the spine and got the top of the line. Uh, but I'd actually hit him right kind of where the shoulder blades are and quartering away a little bit, so kind of through the top of the neck. And, uh, mm. uh, you know, the second shot when he came in, Chasing the does, you could, you, there was no indication this deer was hurt. At, uh, he was totally fine last year shot him we got him back and cleaned him that night the meat was fine uh, there was no fevering or anything like that in there it was just like a flesh wound but uh it's you know pretty cool deal you don't you don't get to uh you don't get many opportunities to shoot a mature deer uh here where we live and you certainly don't get many to shoot him twice you know? <laughs> <laughs> i mean that's a that's a tough deer it takes two to put him down wow that is incredible so right. your your first big buck like that you have to shoot him twice in order to get him on the ground that's that's incredible yeah, he uh, he ended up scoring. It was a, a nine point. Had a kind of a cool uh, G four on one side there, and uh, he ended up scoring one thirty nine and six eight. Oh wow, that's a good deer. That's a very good deer. That's awesome, man. So, what do you think? I mean, uh, we a lot of times we don't get too much into tactics, but just out of curiosity, what do you think helped you the most get that get on that deer? So, when I started hunting uh, public land a lot. The one thing that I found that was a constant uh, 
was the absolute thickest piece of property uh, that I could get into. And you, you have to be very careful with that by not, uh, you, you know, in your mind, you want to go right in the middle of it because that's where he's going to be, right? Well, you know, six feet into that thicket is the same as the middle of it to him. You mm-hmm. know, it's used the whole thing. And so I started doing that. Uh, I, I got on a big deer in about 2007 or eight. He would have been the biggest deer that uh, to date that I've ever. He's probably the biggest deer I've ever seen, um, and I hunted him exclusively. Mm-hmm. That was the only deer that I was going to shoot, and I, you know, saw him one time, had him at 15 yards, and couldn't shoot him. And uh, I made up my mind that was either that or nothing. I was going to kill him, or I wasn't going to kill a deer that year. And I hunted daylight to dark. At the time, I was working 14 on, 14 off, and. Uh, I hunted in daylight to dark every single day. And, you know, if, if the wind wasn't right, I'd hunt the same area, uh, just get the wind in my favor. If, if the wind was right, I was right back in that same tree. I was super careful on how it went in and out. Uh, what I didn't know was that deer died October the 12th, which was uh, something like five days after I'd seen him. I didn't find mm-hmm. that out until several years later. A good friend of mine since then, I, I, I'd actually known the guy uh, by reputation, uh, he had killed him. He scored 196. It was a, a mainframe 12 with a couple of kickers. Mm. And uh, he had actually killed him five days after I saw him. <laughs> uh, about six miles from where I saw him at. And uh, once I... So let me back up a little bit. I didn't know the deer was dead, right? So I hunted him. Our deer season is pretty long. Bow season opens... Uh, the Saturday closest to October 1st, whether it falls in uh, September or October, and it'll run all the way till uh, uh, the first Sunday in January. And so I hunted him way on into December. It was up around Christmas before I finally said, look, I got to go somewhere else and do something different. I'm making myself crazy. <laughs> and, uh, it was three or four years later that I found out that Steve had killed the, His name's Steve also, Steve Barkley. Uh he had already killed that. But in the meantime, while I was hunting that deer, uh, man, I passed up way bigger deer than anything I'd ever seen or ever mm. uh, trying to shoot him. But it it taught me so much that year about how those deer use uh, those thickets. And, you know, I see people talking about thickets on hunting shows and on TV, and it's like there's just woods there. I'm talking about stuff that you literally can't walk through you physically cannot get through it um you know stuff that there's grown red birds in there that never had to learn how to fly they just walk from limb to limb (laughs) you get as close to that as you can without penetrating it and you'll find uh hunting those deer like that they're completely different animals inside that thicket than they are when they step they're relaxed they don't they use the wind but other than that, man, it's it's almost cheating. When you figure out that there's a deer in there that you're wanting to hunt, all you have to do is put in your time and keep from messing it up. And eventually, you're going to get an opportunity to shoot him. And That's I solid started, advice. I started using that uh, everywhere. You know, I hunted, I hunted all over the place there for a while. Uh, Kansas was, to me... I hate to say this because I know there's someone uh, that's going to listen to this from Kansas and they're going to say, man, this guy's arrogant. And that's not at all uh, what I'm trying to get across. But to me, 
those were the easiest deer to hunt of anywhere that I've ever been. Mm. And, and it was because there's there's limited uh, the area that I was hunting southeast Kansas. Uh, it's pretty limited on thick cover, and so you you know that they're pretty much going to be there, and all you really they've got to come out at some point. So if you've got enough time to put in, uh, you just keep from messing it up. So you just have to be super careful with going in and, uh, and and keep the wind in your favor. It's really hard when you drive, you know, 10 hours from where I live to southeast Kansas and you only got a few days to hunt. If I had a south wind up there, I couldn't hunt them. And mm. so I wouldn't. And it's hard to, to have that discipline to not, you know, to not go in there and bust it out. And that's the one thing that I learned for sure about that is if you ever bust those deer there, they're gone. Yeah. You might get an opportunity to bust them couple of times uh, but up there it's like one time and they completely change like they may go 20 miles to another property that's got that thick cover on it you know yeah well steve you talked a little bit about hunting public land have you you know you had your buddy shoot that one that you didn't know about um have you had success otherwise like on public land um you know that's it's tricky to hunt those areas i don't care what part of the country you're in public ground has its challenges have you been able to have some success elsewhere i i have uh so that's my favorite and it's uh i guess maybe because i grew up hunting a lot like that uh on that public land the angelina national forest and the david crockett national forest i kind of live uh right in between you know, about an hour to the david crockett and probably 30 minutes to the angelina and i grew up hunting that angelina national forest with my dad and it's uh it's challenging it's challenging don't quite say it it's it's completely hard and you kind of got to get your mind right uh to go in there and hunt that that kind of stuff because you may go a week you know without seeing a deer and you just kind of got to know that you're in the right area and I, I met a guy oh probably 15 years ago he works in the oil field and met him through uh, who's my brother-in-law now and uh, man he and i hit it off big time he's big deer nut and he loves to hunt and he hunts at, you know probably harder than anybody i've ever met he hunts harder than i do and i hunt pretty hard but he he works 14 on 14 off and it's daylight to dark he starts prepping about right now and uh, he'll take about a month or two off after deer season and do a little crappie fishing and then he's right back to <laughs> uh, right back to trying to figure everything out again and he he showed me a lot about you know trying to kill a better deer in in uh the public land and, and that's kind of where the the stick it theory kind of started coming into play and you know no matter where you hunt public land in the world all you've ever heard was you got to get way back away from everybody else and you know go back in there where those deer aren't being hunted and uh, i mean that's false uh so what what happened is uh everybody hunts that way now so right that where you know used to that was the deal you had to go two miles in to hunt and you wouldn't see anybody else now you don't see any sign until you, or sign of people until you get two miles in, you know. So I, I started uh, paying attention to that a little bit. One of the things uh, that Burr would do was like he would just drive around, and when he started seeing deer, you know, right before daylight or right after dark uh, in an area on you know on the edge of the highway, he would go in and start hunting relatively close to the road. And it makes sense, you know. I mean, uh, 
you know which direction they're not going to go they're not going to come from they're more likely not going to cross a, a major highway to get to you so you can put that to your back and uh basically focus on what's in front of you so i started kind of hunting like that a little bit and i started having some pretty good success uh shot a couple of really nice deer up into the 130s uh shot one nearly one four and uh you know i had I had killed a few deer up to that size, uh, but I hadn't hadn't broken that 150 mark yet. And uh, I had one deer in particular that I was really hunting that I, I'd found uh, in a uh, big bachelor group across the road. I got out, did a little scouting around, and kind of found an area I thought they were using in between two thick. And uh, I was hunting this deer really hard. It was a big nine point, probably mid 150s and uh i was hunting him really hard but i got burned out it was on a uh, middle to the end of november which by then our rut is almost completely done and i was really kind of uh <clears throat> given the area where i was chasing that other deer rest it was in a different county so uh i went over was just kind of riding around scouting around and I, I ran into my buddy burr uh while i was looking around we got talking. He said, "Man, you been doing any good?" I said, "No, I actually hunted for three days. And I hadn't seen a deer." And he was like, "Man, you been over to uh, to the cemetery road? Every road. Let me back up on that. Every road in that area uh, is a forest service or a county road or something to that effect. We don't know what its name is. <laughs> we call we have. It's, I wouldn't go as far as saying code words for it. It's just like." Kind of like what we call them. <clears throat> right. I call this road Cemetery Road, and uh, there's probably not a cemetery within about 30 miles of it. But he and I have killed so many deer over the years out of that area that, that we call it the Deer Cemetery. So mm. it's the main road that goes through there. So that's Cemetery Road. Well, we were, uh, he asked us, have you been over to Cemetery Road? I said, no, I haven't been down there yet. He's like, man, you might check that out. They had some, uh, bugs had gotten in the pine timber in there and they cut a bunch of it and they'd grown up and got super crazy he's like there's a lot of deer using all that over there he said I, i'm not gonna tell you you'll see a big one he said but you might go check some of that stuff out yeah i'm gonna go look at it i drove through there it's probably it's probably 500 acres of uh that that grown up cut stuff and there's some timber growing along the creeks and some little wood lots and that type of stuff but it's uh, basically about 12 foot tall brush wall that you just, you can't pass through. It's in, incredibly thick, just briars and all kinds of stuff. Like I drove in there and found an area that I liked and, uh, it's probably about lunch. Went in there, hung my tree climber and I had to get, I don't know, 45, 50 feet up a uh, pine tree. It was, it was high enough that halfway up the tree, I had to readjust the, uh, sections of my climber so that i wasn't you know hanging off the side of it <laughs> and, uh, i got up there and, and it was oh probably one o'clock uh i got got set down and i had a pretty nice eight point came and uh he milled around out there for a little bit you know he was, was a legal deer probably a three-year-old eight point uh 115 ish i mean a nice deer but you know not anything i was wearing a tag on and uh uh, he left about 30 minutes later. I hear something. I look down about 20 yards from him, and there's a huge uh, boar hog 
rooting up the place, going crazy. And uh, hogs here, I know a lot of guys like to hunt them. They are so destructive. You can't imagine uh, what they tear up. And If you have them in your area, you hate them. You might love them for a little bit if it's new to you, but after a while, they tear up so much stuff. The ground, uh, farmers' fields, I mean, it's, it's rough. So we pretty yeah. much shoot every one of them that we can. And so I shot him. Well, it's about two o'clock in the evening, probably when I shot him. And I thought, you know, it's that's probably it. I probably just messed up my day. It was, you know, it's public land and it's pressured about as, as bad as you can dream up. We're uh, two hours from Houston and two hours from Dallas right there in that area. And so it gets a lot of traffic. And uh, I really kind of thought that I burnt my hunt, but I, you know, I was kind of relaxed and said, so about 10 minutes later, another eight point comes out from kind of the same general direction as that other one that was a little bit better deer he was probably uh 120 125 and a three or four year old deer i watched him for a little bit and he didn't seem concerned too much and uh he got back in the timber and left uh, the sun started going down and it was i don't know probably 4 30 in the afternoon and i, uh, I had a doe come kind of that same little area that uh that the other two bucks had gone in she comes out and she's looking back behind her. You can tell there's another deer with her, you know. She comes out in the thicket and kind of starts milling around out there. And uh, uh, I can hear some brush breaking, uh, not really like something that's trying to make a rub. Just it sounded like a, a bigger a bigger deer, a bigger animal walking, you know, through the woods, but I couldn't see in there. And uh, really, kind of, there's one little hole that I can see a pretty good ways back in there. And I'm really trying to focus on that hole and see what's coming through and this little bitty tiny doe i I mean like we've all seen fawns that didn't have their spots but this one should have still had its spots i mean it wasn't (laughs) bigger than a rabbit it it comes out i think you know there's no way that little deer made all that noise you know and uh she comes out and i can see that the other doe that's still out there she's still looking back behind her and uh uh, the smaller doe comes in, goes over there with her, and they both kind of start looking back behind her. And I'm like, man, I, I know there's something else coming. And I, I heard a grunt, which our deer aren't, aren't very vocal. You hear it every once in a while. We don't do a lot of rattling, a lot of calling. Uh, just you, you don't hear that in the woods all that often. Uh, I heard a deep, deep grunt, and you know, kind of caught me by surprise. And initially, I assumed it was probably that second eight point, a little more mature eight point that I'd just seen. And uh, I'm watching for him, but I'm not really all that excited yet. I'm kind of expecting him to come back out. And there's that one hole that I can see through and just a picket fence uh, of tines comes through that side. And that's all I could see was that one side. And uh, and he comes out and I completely lost it. You know, I try try to uh, not get too shook up. Uh, you know, after I pull the trigger, and I hear guys talk about that all the time. Uh, you know, they don't really get excited or shake until mm-hmm. after the fact. Most guys man, lie. I wish I had. Yeah, <laughs> I, I wish I had it because I don't. I lose it, man. I, I just put so much into it that when that moment finally comes, you know, I get excited and uh, I love it. That's why we do it, you know. And uh, man, he comes out, and it. I saw just that one side, and it was. In my mind, it was so big that I couldn't believe that it was real, you know. 
he comes out kind of starts towards those does and like i'd see him for a second then i'd lose him because it's like impossibly thick in there and so i was actually rifle hunting i have my rifle i get ready and i'm looking and i can see basically from his throat patch up which uh if you're trying to focus on making a good shot that's where you what you don't want to see is uh, what he's got on top of his head. And this was, he was just incredibly big. And uh, he finally comes through. I'm trying to think about maybe I should try to shoot him in the neck. You know, just all this things going through my mind. And finally he steps out into a hole. I whistled, he stopped. I pulled the trigger. And when I recovered from the recoil, I could see blood spraying, you know, uh, but he's running. I worked another one in and shot. When I shot the second time, he folded up, and it was just a completely coincidence because there was only one bullet hole in him. I have no idea <laughs> where the shot went. Um, but, he, you know, he folds up, and uh, I, had a, I actually got a friend of mine who knew I was going to be in the area that lives not far from there. They were uh, celebrating Thanksgiving at his house, and he sent me a text. He said, man, is that you back there shooting? I said, yeah. They said, uh, uh, what did you shoot twice for? I said he was getting away. <laughs> he was moving faster. <laughs> He's like, did you shoot a big one? I was like, yeah, I did. He said, how big? I said, man, I really don't know. I said, he, he might be 130. He might be 170. I don't know. I said, he, he's big enough. And uh, he was like, well, you need some help? And I was like, absolutely. Because I know what he's in, man. Like, I, He's probably 75 yards from me, and I know there's no way I can get there in less than an hour. You know? Mm. And so uh, Mark loads up, he rides out there, he parked by my truck and uh, comes and meets me. And I was walking up on him whenever, when Mark pulled up and, you know, I just saw that one side sticking up. He was uh, really big, you know, like I, I kind of really got him. I'm a big dude. I try to pretend that I'm this super tough guy, but uh, I got pretty emotional when I saw him because it's the you know, biggest deer I've ever killed at the time. And then, to kill him on that public land where it's incredibly challenging to hunt, uh, you know, it meant a lot. You know, it's something I've been trying to do my whole life. So Mark gets up there, we pull him over, and we're looking at him and talking about it. And I'm telling the story over and over again, and we finally get him out, drug out of this mess, and uh, on the back of the truck, we're looking at him like, man, we we think so. He's got to be 150, huh? Martin's like, man. Nah. I think he might be in the 160s. Oh, no, he's not that big, you know? He's big, but I don't think he's 160 big. And mostly because, like, 160s don't really exist here. <laughs> so we get him back and uh, had him on tailgate, put tape on him, and uh, he ended up scoring 162 and 5.8. Holy cow. And he was basically, uh, I can't say he was basically an 8 point. He had 12 scoreable points. He was a 10-point frame, but his G4s on both sides, one was two and a half and one was two and a quarter. And uh, he had uh, two kickers, and both of them together uh, were something like five inches, you know. So um, he was almost eight-point. He had uh, 14 and a half inch twos on one side and 13 and a quarter on the other yeah i'm looking at a picture of him right now i mean this is i mean it's a it's a impressive deer and i don't care what part of the country you're from anybody would want to shoot a deer this big that's awesome and you the thing about that one especially is it was so late uh in the rut that that deer i bet he didn't weigh a 
135, 140 pounds live weight. He was so run down from the rut. He was a five and a half year old deer, uh, but he was just so run down from the rut that it was skin and bones. But man, it's something that uh, I don't know. I don't talk about the story without remembering how that day. I'll remember that on my deathbed. That deer walking through that hole. It doesn't matter how big ones I keep. That one will always. You know, I've killed deer that score higher, but that one, uh, to me, that's that's my buck of a lifetime. I don't think I'll ever top that. Uh, that's awesome, Steve. You know, I appreciate you coming on and kind of sharing some of those stories. I'm sure you got a lot more that we could kind of dive into sometime and maybe have you back on to tell some of the other stories. But I think there's some good lessons learned there. And, um, you know, I, I just think it's impressive for you to go out there and spend that kind of time and, you know, figure it out. You know, I think that's the thing. Each hunter's kind of got to figure out what works best for them. But I, I hear what you're saying about the thickets. I think that's something I need to look into a little bit more. I know, obviously, Dan Infault and those guys are huge into that type of thing. So appreciate you coming on and sharing those stories, man. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. I'd be glad to come back home. Maybe we talk turkeys. Our season don't open for turkey hunting until uh, April 16th this year. I'm going to get about four four days of turkey hunting is all I'm going to get when I come back from work. And then it'll be, I do a lot of tournament bass fishing here and uh, I guide some fishing trips too. So I'll be getting pretty busy with that, but hopefully uh, I can get lucky and find a big stupid turkey. <laughs> and maybe maybe get it a little bit closer than 65 yards, you know, yeah, maybe, maybe 60, 60 would be all right. We try to keep them at 25 now. That's awesome, man. <laughs> well, Steve, you've been a great guest. Thanks for coming on, sharing those stories, and uh, congrats on your, your success over the years, and I uh, hope to talk to you soon, man. Thanks. A lot, man. Appreciate it. All right, there you go, guys. I had a great guest and uh, enjoyed having Steve on. It's great talking about deer any time of the year, to be honest. And uh, so I enjoyed enjoyed that episode. I don't have anything profound. I don't have a verse. I'm not going to hit your head over the Bible. I don't have a sob story. I'm just going to go ahead and say thanks for listening. Hope that you enjoyed it. Hope that you come back next time. If you have any recommendations for guests or if you'd like to come on the show and share one of your stories, you know how to reach me. And as always, remember to shed the light.